Welcome to the ASAG Trainee Excellence Spotlight podcast. In TS podcast, we celebrate the achievements of ASAG trainee members and share the stories behind their scientific work. You too can nominate your paper on the ASAG website at ashg.org to be featured in the TES podcast. You can also read more about the featured trainees on the ASAG website. Our guest today is the recipient of the 2022 Kodderman Award. This award recognizes two trainee-authored articles published in the American Journal of Human Genetics in the previous year that best represent outstanding scientific contributions to the field of human genetics. Samuel Smith is a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Austin, Texas. He received the 2022 Kodderman Award for his paper, Enrichment Analysis Identified Shared Associations for 25 Quantitative Traits in Over 600,000 Individuals from Seven Diverse Ancestries. It's an amazing paper, and if you haven't already read it, we recommend doing so after the podcast. Hi, Samuel. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Sir, congratulations on your award and thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. I would like to uh, start by asking, what is it like being a postdoctoral fellow? Do you work long hours? Yeah, so I let's see, I started my, I guess, two months to the day ago, I started as a postdoc here at UT Austin, and I would say thus far it's it's been really great and in large part to my advisor arbel harpak who's really helped that transition and i would say as well that i think to your question about long hours i've definitely started to work you know from nine to five but have been able to kind of you know set the work-life boundaries that i want in terms of you know letting it go until the next day yeah that's nice so what was the main question that you were trying to address in this paper yeah, so I think, you know, this project started, I guess, right at the turn of 2019 into 2020, which many of us will remember was a chaotic time with the onset of COVID. But prior to that, you know, my advisor, Sohini Ramachandran, and I had been talking about how we might rethink different modes of statistical replication and genetic association studies based off of the fact that it has, uh, you know, it's pretty common for across different genetic ancestry groups for individual variants not to directly replicate in a study of the same phenotype. And so what we were wondering if there was, you know, either a methodological or statistical reason that you now the individual variants that are associated with a phenotype might vary between two genetic ancestries, but how we might get at the underlying fact, which I think is much more important that there is still shared biology, even if that statistical signal has heterogeneous variant associations. Yeah, that sounds interesting. So how long did this project take and what was the biggest challenge that you faced in this project? I think. Like I was saying, we started probably right at the end of 2019 with the first kind of brainstorming on a whiteboard of everything that we were hoping to do. And I guess it wrapped up toward the start of 2022. So probably two and a half years from true start to, to publication, uh, which is a, a sort of finish. You're never quite done with the work, which is great. But so yeah, it took two and a half years. And I would say that the biggest challenge was, and this is in no part to our wonderful collaborators, but just trying to assimilate across three biobanks um, data from, we analyzed data from the UK biobank, the biobank Japan, and the PAGE consortium. I think just 
anytime you get familiar with a new data set, there's a pretty steep learning curve. And so I would say that was the hardest part. And then the other part was, you know, working on it through the pandemic, I think there were times where that kind of, like I was mentioning earlier, that boundary between what's work and what's your time at home while we were in quarantine was definitely more fluid. And while I think it ultimately was helpful because I became totally invested in the project, I also am really glad that my advisor and co-advisor on the project, who I should mention, Lauren Crawford, were very understanding that we were living through a global pandemic and um, allowing that to pace itself um, in a lot of ways. So if you were to redo this project, would you do anything differently? Yeah. So I think as I look forward at what that project could have, or, you know, maybe retrospectively what it could have been in a perfect world. We had genotype data from the UK Biobank, and we had um, just summary statistics from the Biobank Japan, the PAGE consortium. And there's a lot of really good and important work going on in terms of sequencing individuals of non-European genetic ancestry, which is what's represented in the UK Biobank. So I think just to give each of our analyses of every ancestry kind of equal methodological, put them all in the same exact plane in terms of being analyzed, I think something I'm excited about and something that I think will become realistic in the years to come is that those same biobanks will have publicly available genotype data. And while I don't necessarily think it would foundationally shift our results, I think it would allow for the type of nuance in our statistical analysis that can only stand to improve the paper. That's very exciting. So you said that you want to be the best teacher and the scientist that you can be. What does it look like? Like, how do you define that? To me, maybe that's kind of, you know, it presents it as something that is a finish line, but probably is a finish line that you chase, you know, throughout your career. And I'm, I'm excited for that chase. And I really appreciate the process that goes into improving both as a teacher and a scientist. And, you know, I've been really fortunate to have mentors who are willing to speak directly and kindly about things that can change or improve. But, you know, I am of the opinion that if you're not improving, you're, you can fall into a little bit of stagnation. And so both with Sohini and um, Arbel, my grad student and postdoc advisors, respectively, I get a really strong sense of also being a student in terms of learning how to be a better scientist and researcher. And so I kind of, regardless of where I am in my career path, I'm hoping to always have that feeling as a part of yeah my day-to-day life. Yeah, that's great. Actually, that brings me to my next question. I wanted to ask you, who is your biggest cheerleader or mentor? Oh, gosh. Well, I would have to say that my, my biggest cheerleader has definitely been my wife throughout this process. So definitely have appreciated all of her support. And, you know, she probably knows this project as well as I do to some extent. And I'm sure was probably more ready to see it published than I was in some ways, because, you know, it's a long process and I can't even imagine what it's like, how long it feels from the outside. And then, you know, I've mentioned some really great scientific mentors, including Sohini Ramachandran, Lauren Crawford, and Arbel Harpak. But I think just in terms of the mentality I try to bring, I, I would definitely have to say both of my parents have been really integral in terms of mentoring a sense of what it means to be a teacher, what it means to be a student, and, you know, how you continue to think about things and challenge yourself in different ways. You briefly mentioned this work-life balance, so I wanted to ask, how do you maintain a good work-life balance? How do you take care of your mental health? I think for me, the, you know, the old uh, trope, as it were, of diet and exercise, I found to be increasingly important during COVID. I think those are two really important things for me personally, but I also think during COVID, it's been well noted that there was a huge spike in terms of 
the need for mental health care. And, you know, I was not immune to that. And so I think just pursuing that and allowing yourself to pursue that is really important. And, you know, I would say in terms of hobbies that I love to read fiction and, you know, when I come home, I don't necessarily read more about quantitative genetics, but I, I like to kind of um, have a different type of uh, stimulant in terms of the content that I'm taking in. So I think all of those things are really important to kind of a holistic approach, especially as a statistician or as somebody who only works on data analysis, you can kind of take it with you anywhere. And, you know, today with Wi-Fi and computers, you can always be plugged in. So I think the biggest thing I learned was there just comes a point where you have to close your laptop and let yourself step away from it and, and know that it will be there tomorrow. Yeah, true. So what career advice do you have for your fellow researchers in human genetics based on your experience? Yeah, I, I guess, I've, I mean, I've kind of made reference to this, but for those folks who are uh, pursuing different um, or are pursuing either graduate school or maybe looking into like postdocs, and I've never worked in industry, but I'm assuming that this could probably, I would assume this holds for that too, is, you know, I think when it comes to selecting your next step, I have really benefited from trusting my gut on in, on who my advisor will be. Um, and just that has played out with Sohini and has already started to play out with Arbel. But I think when you're trying to make big decisions about where to go for grad school or where to go for a postdoc, advisors who are understanding and supportive and also really rigorous scientifically, but can deliver that in ways that are positive and challenge you to be, you know, like the best researcher or teacher that you can be, um, I really, that's been invaluable to me. And I've just, I'm so grateful for that throughout the course of my career. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Well, it's so important to have mentors which can inspire you. Yeah, definitely. So what's been the biggest takeaway for you from your career in research? Yeah, I think people have spoken on this much more eloquently than I'm about to, but I think don't let comparison be the thief of joy is one big thing because there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of your fellow grad students or postdocs and they all have their trajectory and we're all human. So it can feel a little bit like what's, what's that person doing over there that I'm not doing. But I think sometimes you have to slow down and reflect are the things that you're doing making you happy and is the work bringing you fulfillment? And if that's the case, I just try and remind myself that that is most definitely enough. And then the other thing I guess I would say is that per progress is very nonlinear in science. I would say you don't just, you know, set out from A to B and not hit any hiccups or have to make any turns along the way. Often you end up somewhere completely different and you look back and the path feels like it was so direct, but it's um, easy to forget all the twists and turns that came along with it. So I think just trying to enjoy the ride, even when the ride can be a little bit uh, bumpy or uh, resistant at different points. Yeah, true. So I would like to conclude our conversation with this final question and ask what's next for you? Yeah. Uh, so I was lucky enough to go on a big road trip of the national parks with my wife for about four months prior to starting here at UT Austin. So I think what's next for me is continuing to get settled and connected um, at on UT Austin's campus, starting to, in terms of research, have some interesting questions with Arbel about uh, gene by age interactions or, you know, the statistical signal of aging in genetic association studies. So I'm really excited for that. And then, you know, long term, I'm hoping to start my own research group at some point and uh, 
I don't know when that will be, but I know that I've got a great advisor who's going to help me get there if that's, you know, what feels for good moving forward. Samuel, it was a real pleasure speaking with you. Thanks again for joining us today and keep inspiring us with your science. We're rooting for you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And I would like to thank all of you for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. You can read more about Samuel's work on the ASHG website. See you in our next episode.